Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Mike Coulson, who is becoming a really good friend and uh, very excited about some of the things he's doing. Um, Amazing stuff online, amazing stuff with a small building, multiple multiple services in eastern Pennsylvania. So, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Ralph. I really appreciate being on here. I I want you to uh, tell me, to begin with, a little bit about your journey to faith and your journey to uh, become a pastor, and and then you, you kind of nutshell stuff here, not too much time. And then you're, you have a very unique view. I mean, it's becoming more widespread view, much like yours, but you have a unique view of the ministry in that you aspire to be self-supporting and not have the church support you, which I think is uh, prophetic almost of the future of the church and the climate that we live in. So just, you know, introduce yourself a little bit, and then we'll get into stuff. Yeah. Uh, so my journey to, to Christ uh, was over a long time period. Uh, so I grew up uh, attending church very sporadically. Uh, there was never a point where I felt like I, I didn't believe. I always considered myself a believer, but maybe went a, a handful of times each year uh, in college. Uh, started to go on a little bit more regular basis, thought, okay, now I'm, I'm really, really being a Christian now. I uh, got married right after college, and uh, my wife and I started attending a church every week. Uh, I got involved in serving on in the leadership of the church there and thought, man, this is, now I'm really being a Christian. Uh, and uh, a friend of mine, uh, while I was looking into getting an MBA, uh, he goes, hey, why don't you take some Bible classes with me? And I thought, well, that sounds like a lot more fun than uh, then finance classes and business classes and uh, might be a little bit more useful. So started taking that with him. And the very first one was this overview of the Bible class, the survey of the Bible. And it was the first time in my life that all the pieces, all those segmented stories I had learned growing up, it all fell into place. And it just hit me of this this book, the Bible is really true. And I actually have to live my life accordingly to this. Uh, and it completely changed everything. And over the course of the next couple of years, uh, God really spoke into my life about two years of you need to reach the people that were just like you, uh, those people that are attending church every week, uh, and it's not clicking for them. Uh, so uh, that's what spurred me to to start taking uh, uh, classes, become a pastor, start going to seminary, uh, and just had a, a wonderful opportunity to start uh, doing some preaching in the church I was attending at, uh, leading adult discipleship there. And then uh, uh, God opened up this amazing opportunity at uh, at the perfect timing, uh, like he always does for, for me to, uh, to step into the role that I, I now have uh, being the senior pastor here. How did that work? What, what happened? I was uh, running a financial planning business uh, for uh, about six years and uh, supporting uh, my family. I was a sole income earner and doing it entirely on commission. Uh, and God teaches you a lot about depending on him when you work on commission and have a family. And I got to this point where I was really burnt out. The stress was getting to me. And I came downstairs from my office, which was on the third floor of our house, one Sunday evening. And I told my wife, like almost in tears, I can't do this anymore. 
Uh, the stress was just getting to me. Uh, the next day, I got an interview from an insurance company. And they said, uh, we're interested in you leading up a new office, a regional office in your area. Uh, and spoke with them. The very next day, they had me for a phone interview. That went well. The very next day, uh, they sent someone to to meet with me for lunch about this opportunity. Uh, and on my way to that lunch, I got the call from our denomination that a a pastoring position opened up. And so... Uh, and the, the course of that day, I was offered two jobs, uh, essentially. Uh, one was leading a new regional office uh, in a in an industry that I was burnt out and stressed out in. Uh, but they said you'd be making two to three hundred thousand a year, uh, or you can take a pay cut and lead this church. It was a super easy decision to make because I knew that. It was just purely, am I picking God or am I picking money? And I knew that I would never be able to look at my kids and tell them I picked money. Uh, I knew of the church is about 10 minutes away from where we were living uh, and it opened up the position and um, it's been an amazing journey. Give us the elevator speech version of of your philosophy of ministry and the, what you're doing. And then we'll dig, we'll dig into it. Starting off, so I've been here for almost six years at the church. Uh, for the first five and a half of those, uh, I entered into it going, what was the thing that brought me to Christ? That was a deeper understanding of his word. So I spent that time uh, leading multiple Bible studies every week, uh, really trying to to teach people. And I, I love teaching people the, the word of God. And uh, I was invited to take part in the, the exponential cohorts, uh, the gatherings that, that take place through them. And it was last November in New York City. Uh, my whole philosophy and approach changed. It was God speaking through you, Ralph, uh, that actually did that. And he said two things to me that day as we sat in that uh, that room in the the hub there in New York City. He said, one, uh, Mike, you're stunting the growth of my people. And two, you need to encourage them and empower them to do what I'm calling them to do. And that was incredibly humbling because I realized that I had been giving his people fish and hopefully really good fish, right? I'm giving them the word on Sunday morning, giving them a really good meal. And then I'm letting them starve the rest of the week because I, I've never taught them how to fish themselves. I've never been intentional on teaching people how to study the word and how to hear God's voice through it. Uh, and if they can't do it for themselves, how in the world are they going to teach others? I'm sending them out the door saying, go make disciples, never instructing them how to actually do that. So we came back, we decided to uh, to take God's leading and begin uh, a discipleship pathway that leads people to, to meet one-on-one -on -one with other uh, believers and non-believers and through daily Bible reading and uh, just lead them in how to, to understand a passage, hear from God through it, and then implement it in their lives. And uh, once they understand the gospel and how to lead other people to hear God's voice through his word, uh, then they're ready to go out and lead others in that. Uh, and we'll keep, uh, we'll keep training and, and coaching them up while they're on the job. So I'm a young church planter. I grew up in a legacy church. I'm kind of where you're at. I'm throwing out fish every week and the people are hungry and I need some practical steps. You, you said that you're, you're putting people together with believers and non-believers and I, and I wouldn't quite know how to do that. What, what would I do? You know, how, how did you, you know, where, where did you get some traction and, you know, give it to me pretty simple. Cause I'm, I'm pretty confused. We have a in our in-person church. We have our online church as well. Uh, I oversee both those. For in-person, uh, I know our leaders are already maxed out, right? Uh, in any church, the people who are on ministry council, the leadership team, they're they're normally running at capacity or over capacity. Uh, so uh, I didn't bother them. I gave them the vision, and I 
started seeking out the people in our church uh, that were not serving in leadership, but really had a, a lot of potential. They were uh, mature Christians. They were people that were hungry for the word. Some of them were, were newer Christians, but these were just people that were hungry for the word and weren't involved in leadership yet. And just started doing this with them because I, I knew that before I go out uh, of the church and start uh, focusing on those outside of the church, I need to raise up a good core group here first. Uh, so it's it's all of us as the core group then going out. Uh, I'll tell you, I've, I've never seen people uh, so excited to be in the Word of God uh, as when I started to to meet with them to do this. I took I read uh, Dave Ferguson's book Hero Maker, right, and just had that conversation with this of I, I see this this great potential in you. And I see your hunger and your desire. And I want to spend this time meeting with you each week and walking through this. But I want you to make the commitment to take this seriously and make the commitment that when that when we're done with this, when when you're ready, you're going to do this with two or three other people in your life. We agree to that right up front because I love uh, what Pete Cesaro says of uh, never expect anything from anyone unless it's been mutually agreed upon. So I set the expectations right up front with them of, I want to do this with you. I want to commit to that. You can expect that from me. Uh, and here's what the expectation is for you uh, to follow through and then lead others in this as well. You're not programming it. You're kind of leaving it. I mean, obviously, you could use the word program to describe gathering people together that are are that 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 tier of people in the church who are not in maxed out leadership, but they're hungry because we we often don't pay attention to those people. But then you're kind of making a contract. We're we're going to agree to do this and we're going to commit to it. But then on the other end of the back end of it, you're you're not necessarily specifying this is what you go do. You're kind of leaving it up to the to the spirit. Yeah. So what I actually walk with them through our first meeting, we kind of call it our prospectus meeting because I sit down, and I explain like this is this is what I would like to do with you if if you would like to commit to this. And what I ask them to do is uh, a daily Bible reading. I, I want you to read one basically one paragraph each day, five to 10 verses. So real simple and quick, right? Uh, and then journal the answer to three questions. Uh, what happened in this passage? So what happened then? Uh, what is God saying to you specifically now? Not the 10 things he could teach through this, but what is he saying to you right now in this season of your life? And then what is one specific and measurable way that you can put that into action? Uh, and we try to deconstruct it from uh, from this overarching goal. That's like a New Year's resolution that we're never going to just wake up tomorrow and be that thing, you know, more patient, more forgiving, whatever it may be that God is leading us to be. And we try to walk it back to what's the next step that I need to do. If I want to be more forgiving. What's the next thing that I need to put in place? Or where's my next area of focus to grow in that? So we walk through this and uh, we, we like to call it a, a pathway because we're walking with people on that journey. Uh, but it's it's just using the Bible. It's it's incredibly and almost absurdly simple as we walk with people through this and through walking with this. I'm not only I'm not only asking them to do this and going over it with them each week as we sit down. We just pick out one of those days and talk about it. But I'm also coaching them how to do it with others. And I'm explaining them why I'm asking a particular question, why we're approaching it from this way, because I want them to know the why of everything we're doing so that they are then equipped to then lead somebody else in doing the same thing. So then when, how, how long do you meet with them? Or do you, is it just ongoing? Yeah. So uh, for, for people who are already believers and, and have a good foundation, I, I've found that we don't want to meet for more than six weeks before we send them out. 
because they'll start to get paralyzed in thinking that they need to have this perfected. They need to know enough. They'll, they'll start to get bogged down in all those things that, that keep us from going out and actually serving God. So I like to launch them out really quickly. Uh-huh. Uh, kind of uh, four weeks is kind of that sweet spot of they, they're starting to understand the why of, of this. Uh, and then I keep following up with them. I, I, I take it back to every other week then uh, because as they're leading others, I want to still be there to support them. Sure. I want to still be there to, for them to ask questions to, to, to bounce things off of. So I'm not going away once you're launched. I'm not just kicking you out of the nest. Uh, but I, I want you to, to then learn on the job from there on out. So then how does a person, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's a whole multiplicity of ways that, that you know of, but tell us a story or two about how somebody got uh, to, after their launch, They what did they do? And how did they do this with people who weren't uh, Christ followers? How did that, how did that process evolve? Yeah. So uh, we are in the early stages of this. So we, we came back in November working through what does this look like? And we actually started to, to implement it online first uh, and then in person. So we've only been walking through this since January. So we're, we're starting to see uh, the first layer of second generation people, just encouraging them, you know, who in who are the people that you know that you already have relationships with? Who are the people that uh, that you think that this would help uh, if they would walk through this as well? And just invite those people to do this. Uh, and it, it's it's people that they already have friendships with. They already know really well. Uh, so it's not that scary of a thing. We're not on a street corner trying to talk to strangers because I I would freeze up in that situation. But they're talking to their their good friends. They're talking to people they're already spending time with, uh, which is making it a lot easier to walk down this path. You know, one, one uh, interesting thing happened to me recently. Um, I was in Houston and I got there at night. It was dark and uh, a little bit scary. I was with a friend and but we're, we're, we're in downtown area. So it's kind of a, a, a place where you don't necessarily know you want to be homeless people around, whatever. And these two guys step out from an alcove and they're, they're, they're well, well put together guys. Uh, both are African-Americans and they go, we're trying to talk to people about the gospel. Would it be okay if we talked with you? They, they held the tract out. And, you know, I'm the introvert. I just didn't say anything. My friend took the tract and go, hey, man, God bless you. Keep doing what you're doing. This is great stuff. But I thought these people are so gentlemanly about the way that they approached us. And I think that that bleeds over into existing relationships, that you could talk to your non-believing friend and go, you know, we're doing this thing and, you know, I, I even have learned to add this little phrase into it. You know, you know we're, we're talking about the Bible and if there is a God, uh, would it be appealing to you to be part of this thing that we're doing together? Because it does whatever it does. There's ways of getting into people's lives. And sometimes the churches, I think we're just a little too preachy and that, that we've, yeah. we've got to build the relationship and then ask people permission to get to look at the Bible together and, and go from there. So what has happened? Give, give us a little bit of the scope. I mean, you're very early into this, so it's almost an unfair question to ask, but we've been doing this since January. Where, where are we at now in the second tier? Yeah, so uh, in person, we, uh, we're just getting into the, the, the second tier there. We have uh, the, the first people, uh, the first people that I launched off there, uh, a wonderful couple, and uh, they're starting to do this with a couple of their friends. Uh, so that's it's the very first fruits of of what we're we're trying to do that second generation. Uh, but they actually uh, were talking to to one of their friends about it, and he's like, I, I I'd love to to do this as well. Meet with you. 
uh, but I attend this other church and, you know, I'm, I'm connected there. I don't want to leave. And uh, I said, I don't, I don't care if you attend another church or not. I'm, you know, we're, we're trying to grow the kingdom, not a church. Uh, so uh, we're walking through it with him as well. And he has some people uh, already lined up at the church he attends that he wants to walk through with this with. And uh, it, it's awesome to, to, to see that. Um, just this hunger of going there. I, I have this vision of, of wanting to reach people. I have this desire and I, I don't know how to do it. And this is this just gives people a possible pathway to walk down to do that. Uh, I don't think it's the only way that you could possibly do this, but it, it gives people uh, a path to walk down some some direction uh, so to a, reach those others. There's a skeptic listening to us right now. Yeah. He's going, wow, he didn't describe anybody who's uh, outside of Christ. He's only still talking to people in church. And I want to say that I've spent a long time in my early life studying the history of revivals. And then I experienced the Jesus revolution. And I know this, it started with exactly the kind of stuff you're talking about. There was a hunger for the word. People began to uh, discuss it, um, ordinary people, not churchy, churchy stuff, but people in, 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 in organic groupings that as we got going, we got smart enough to create those groupings. So the legacy church is creating the non-legacy kind of stuff where we're gathering mm-hmm. people together. When I started out, if including the church I worked in, if you did a home Bible study, you were a rebel. All, all that stuff happens on the church campus. And 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 I got trouble. I, I mean, for a lot of different things. And I was in a good church. It, it, it was the, the, the least weird in a weird generation, but the, the weirdness was still there. And so we, we, we created, we, our deal was we'd go to the beach and, you know, free ride to the beach from the hot San Fernando Valley where we lived, but you got to bring a Bible and, you know, bring your surfboard, whatever, bring your bologna and mayonnaise sandwiches. Cause that's what we all ate in those days. And uh, at the end of the day, we're going to uh, sit around and, and ask, what did you get from reading the Bible this week? That was just all it was. And so yeah. believers and non-believers would show up. And it pretty soon it grew to where we have little clusters. We had to break it up so there's no more than, you know, seven people in a group. So you're asking a non-believer, what did you get from reading the Bible this week? And, you know, they're, and we're, 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 we're totally new at this. So we don't know what the heck we're doing. So we're not like saying, oh, go read Ephesians 2. We're saying read the Bible. So they probably are starting in Genesis. Who knows where they start, but they're kind of on their own for this. But the Holy Spirit interacts with these people and they come back and, and and so I I, I just want to say that from my experience, the the Jesus revival, the Jesus movement started with little groups of, of people doing almost exactly what Mike's talking about here. And that if you're sitting here going, oh well, you know, he's only doing something with with, with Christian people, realize that that you got to do that on the way to doing the other thing. Because here's what's going on: is the people that he's coaching are being comfortable coaching others and that's going to set them up for when they meet the the, the the non-believing person who needs what they got they're going to offer it the thing's going to explode from there that's just how it works and it's how it's always worked throughout history it may have been more prayer focused may have been more word focused but it always starts with believers you know we get these two terms screwed up the one is revival and the other is spiritual awakening a spiritual awakening cannot happen unless there's a revival in a church. And what Michael is describing to us is the process of revival, the first steps. And so, I, I, you know, I apologize to everybody for preaching when Mike's supposed to be talking, but you got to get this down or you're not going to learn from this man. You're exactly right, Ralph. And like, you know, I know uh, every pastor knows, right, that 
not everybody, probably a, a much smaller number than we would like to admit, of the people attending our churches are daily in his word and hearing God's voice. Uh, I can go out and I can do this thing among non-believers, and that'll be that'll be an awesome thing. Uh, but if I can get the people who are already coming to church first to be in his word daily and to, to be hearing God's voice and to be equipped, and then all of us go out, uh, now, now we're going to be a force doing that uh and it, it's not just it's not just that i i believe that everybody has has two callings we have a, a general calling to make disciples and a, and a unique calling how god has gifted us so uh in the the course of this uh we're talking about discipleship disciple you know being a disciple maker uh, uh talking about planting the seeds of at some point you're going to be leading us uh, a micro church planting those seeds but we're also we're also listening to those things that that god is uniquely calling them to what people groups are they connected with? So as as I'm walking through this with them, as, as I'm coaching them, we're identifying, hey, where where does your Venn diagram overlap? Uh, where does your relationship with the church overlap with this other group so that uh, we can all go out together on fire for the Lord? Oh, this so, is really good. Um, take me to uh, what your church looks like. Because you're because you're you you're basically pastoring two churches. And yeah. and how does how does that all work? And then Talk us about. Um, I mean, you're in a small community. Mm-hmm. The, the the church isn't that large, the congregation, and yet you're doing some pretty fantastic things. And you what, you have a small building, so you, so you get multiple services. Uh, tell tell us kind of you know what that looks like, and then we're going to talk a little bit about how you got into doing the online thing. That is going to be part of what you tell us. So you know, just go ahead and free wheel a little bit. Yeah. So our church, uh, we have three services every Sunday. Uh, we have two that are in English and one that is in Spanish, uh, and we are in a small community. So our the county that we live in only has sixty thousand people. Uh, our town is, I believe, the the largest in the county. We have about ten thousand who live uh, in our town. So it's not a it's not a big area, uh, but we we have two services in English. Uh, one is more contemporary, one's uh, more traditional, and then the Spanish service. So we have uh, roughly about eighty people coming to the English services, uh, about 20 or so each week to the Spanish services. And uh, we started the Spanish because uh, a couple of years ago, we had a a bilingual uh, music group come in uh, to lead a night of worship. And I wanted to call up all the Spanish churches to invite them to bring their people on over as well. I always like to open up uh, any any worship nights to all the community churches. And we realized there were none in our county. And I, I know that there are Spanish-speaking individuals here. And uh, I felt God was saying, do something about this, step into the gap. Uh, so we started the service uh, when we had nobody in our congregation who spoke Spanish. Uh, <laughs> but God was like, you can you can reach these people, uh, meet them where they're at. Don't wait for them to learn English. Uh, the gospel is is too urgent to wait. Uh, so that's so, how so we let developed Let me interrupt it. you for a second. How did yeah. you start? I mean, do you speak Spanish? No. <laughs> so how, how, did, how did you go about starting a Spanish service in a in a basically English speaking church, this is this is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so God has led us down some some pretty crazy absurd uh, pathways. Uh, so uh, we our church is about 130 years old. Uh, but I am so blessed. Our congregation and, and our ministry council uh, they're willing to go wherever God is leading us. Uh, so after that experience, I went to them and said, I feel like God is leading us to do this. And they were like, All right. <laughs> so we we started in prayer uh, because we needed to find a pastor that spoke in Spanish to lead this service because none of us could do it. Uh, and uh, we started reaching out. Con- I started Facebook messaging and texting anybody I knew who spoke Spanish 
or who I thought might know somebody who spoke Spanish. And do you know anybody who is a pastor and uh, started contacting all of our local churches? Do you do any of you know? And uh, we found uh, a Spanish pastor uh, associated with one of our uh, our denominations churches about 45 minutes away uh, and spoke with him. And he said, I feel like God has been calling me uh to reach out of this city that we're in uh, and, and to do ministry in another place. And you contacted me. Uh, and uh, for uh, for about a, a year and a half, two years, he, he made the 45-minute drive each way uh, to lead services with us. Uh, and now the service is up and running. Uh, it is The worship is led by somebody who started attending that church service through yard signs we had put up. <laughs> uh, we have a young couple that is... Uh, now leading the the services. Uh, so uh, I I used to, I don't as, as much anymore. I, I used to sit in on more of the services because it always reminds me of what the day of Pentecost must have looked like, seeing the gospel preached in other languages. And to see to see a family with little kids uh, come up to the front of the church and, and make a decision, make a commitment to, to give their lives to the Lord. Uh, I'll never forget that day. Uh, and never forget seeing that and going, like, God, you are so good. Uh, there's no way we would have ever have walked down this path uh, without you guiding us. And now we're seeing the fruit of just stepping out in faith to to do this crazy thing that you've led us to. And uh, it's just one of those pieces of the journey where it just cements in us of we just have to listen to what God is saying, and he'll figure out the details and put them into place as they're needed. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmoore.net.